it all comes back to that I truly did believe that I could get to the next level. I'm somebody that has always, since I've been like a little girl, I give myself these these goals and like this timeline. And I remember like moving to Boston, I was like, all right, we're gonna do this for a year. If, if my times don't get better and if I'm not improving and I'm not enjoying it, then that's it. We're gonna, we're gonna move on to the next thing. So I also, at the end of the day, had people telling me, but it was really the self-belief in myself. And that is how I feel like I'm still in sport now and all the great, runners is they truly believe that they can be the best. And I don't think you make it far in the sport if you don't have that self-belief. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 96 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Emily Durgan has always been driven set big goals, and dreamed of earning a scholarship to run in college while in middle school. Her love affair with distance running was forged in the fourth grade when she won a 1,500-meter race and can still remember that amazing feeling today. How it inspires her to run from the front today as a professional runner for Adidas Running, has a bunch of second-place finishes, and is fearlessly chasing her first big victory. Emily has run 67.54 at Houston this winter the sixth fastest half marathon for American women, and is stoked to be building for her New York City marathon debut in November. Topics. Coaches who've had an impact. Andrea Grove, Amy Begley, J.J. Clark, and her current coach, Terrence Mahan. Her collegiate running experience. Working with Mark Coogan and the New Balance Boston Pro Team. Transitioning to a professional runner with Under Armour and Adidas running. Key race highlights. Meaningful moments that have shaped her where her drive comes from, community service giving back, running to inspire aspiring pros, speaking to high school, college runners to help them navigate the landscape. We also discuss the unique approach Emily and Terrence are taking with her build from the New York City Marathon. So excited to follow Emily's inspiring journey and rooting for her to rocket in November. Let's dive on in. Hope you all enjoy the listen. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you this evening? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, thank you for coming on. Uh, big, exciting news. You're going to be running your debut at New York City. That's exciting stuff. I just thought it'd be really fun to get you on and talk about your thoughts and maybe how long you've been thinking about moving up and trying to, trying your, uh, to stretch the distance out and, and move from uh, 10,000 meters. I know you've run a, a really awesome half too at Houston, but uh, to, go, to go the full distance and give it a go. Yeah. Yeah. Jokingly, I um, say right now I'm training for the 10 mile champs. So I'm not training for the marathon yet because I have this weird thing where I like to break up my training in like five to six week kind of increments. So right now um, it's my tune up race for New York. It's the 10 mile champs in Twin Cities, October 2nd. Um, But for me, I get overwhelmed if I see like 12 weeks on the calendar. So my coach and I kind of joke, we're like, all right, right now we're training for the 10 mile champs. And then after that, then we're training for New York. So yes, I, I did announce that I'm running New York. And obviously I am starting what people called the marathon builds. Um, but I'm trying to take a different approach to it. And 
you know, I'm honestly not doing anything crazy different that I did about a year ago going into that half in Houston. Um, we're going to practice feeling on long runs, get in a few key long runs, but yeah, um, this marathon build quote unquote, I'm just kind of trying to extend it, um, as what I've been doing. Love it. And mentally, however you choose to look at it, it's important that you, you know, get relaxed with it in some way or another, cause it's all new. It's, you know, venturing into new territory. So if that helps you to focus, you know, on that, as opposed to looking all the way out down the road, that's great. And it'll uh, take your mind off it. There'll be less pressure. You'll be more relaxed. And it's a, it's a good way to look at it. So, and your coach currently, it's Terrence Mahan, right? You're working with Terrence? Yeah, yeah. We've been working together uh, just over a year now. So it's been like a really easy transition. Um, I've known him for many years. Back when he was in BAA, I was being coached by Mark Coogan, living in Boston, had that connection there, um, moved out to Flagstaff. So him and his team would come out here and we'd mesh when I was being coached by Stephen Haas, uh, Terrence and him would work together. So yeah, I I've been around Terrence for the past few years. So transitioning to him being my coach was pretty easy. And honestly, it's, it's worked out very well. That's great. Well, so you were connected with BAA. So maybe that helped with the Adidas thing with the sponsorship and bringing you in, or were they just always like, were you targeting them? Were they targeting you, you know, as far as, you know, coming on and signing with them or did that have any help? Did it, that play a role in any way? So it was never actually with BAA. Um, I was with New Balance Boston right out of college. So I was living in Boston and then that was the time that Terrence was coaching in Boston. So I really had obviously no ties to Adidas kind of, um, the story of how it worked out is I was sponsored by Under Armour um, for two years. And basically, Under Armour last year basically allowed any athlete to get out of their contract due to like the shoe technology. I'm sure, you know, a lot of people that are really into the uh, the shoe technology remember when this happened around trials last year. So honestly, it was just kind of this amazing opportunity that presented itself Um and yeah, my agent jumped on it and got the deal with Adidas and obviously looking for me to run the marathon in, um, fall of 2022, this was a huge move for me knowing that I was going to a brand that was really established in the footwear and it wasn't, I wasn't going to have to second guess it. Yeah, it is a, it's a big piece of it, particularly when you start going the longer distances, because you've done really, really well on the 10,000 and on the track as well, roads, track. You're clearly doing really well getting out there, racing the big road races, which have the big energy and big feel. Um, and they're super fun, man. They're, uh, they're just, the energy is like so different. Um, but as far as that, the feel of like the big energy races on the roads, you know, like you raced up in Maine, you race Peachtree, you go and you get, mix it up at all these different races. How does that feel different than, you know, track, which obviously you did a lot of in college and you're still were racing a lot of track races as well. Like what do you, what do you like better and what do you enjoy more? Yeah, I've definitely, um, more comfortable on the roads have had a lot more success on the roads. Um, this year I was really excited about trying to run a fast 10 K and, you know, my coach was like, let's do it. Cause it's just going to help you when we do go up to, um, the half and the full. So, uh, spent some time on the track, went out to USA's and, and wanted to compete at USA's on the track, but yeah, it's just, it's just not as comfortable for me. I, I don't, I don't race as confident. Um, you know, the way that my strengths don't play as well on the track, like I'm, I'm really good at taking races out hard and then, um, kind of like hanging on versus like a track race at championships when it comes down to a mile, 
being closed in like 425. Like I just, it's just not in my toolbox. And, and that's kind of how it works. Just like there's some athletes that try to come to the roads and we kind of blast out that first mile and they can't hang. So it's really funny how, um, you know, people kind of figure out what their, what they, their strengths are and they kind of go towards those. So yeah, that's kind of what I found in the roads. And, um, I have a lot of fun doing it and, uh, not going to lie. You, you make a lot more money, uh, on the roads than you do at the track. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of why I've, I've stuck mainly to the roads, but yeah, we'll jump in. We'll jump in a 10 and a 5K on the track, probably for the rest of my career. Yeah. To keep yourself sharp, you know, work sure. on, work on turnover, all the other stuff. And of course get spiked occasionally, you know, the old, uh, you know, bl- little blood here or there toughen toughens us all up. But, um, you had a great race in New York, man, my home city, you had a great race at the MasterCard 10 K, man. That was like your PR, right? You, you were ripping that day for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a stacked field. And and I was also coming off of USA's, which was like, obviously a disappointing race. I, I wanted to place higher. Um, you know, and again, that was the race that I uh, ended up leading for like around 5k. Um, because going to the track that night, my coach was like, all right, if they're not running 72s, then take the lead and start running 72s. And unfortunately that ha- like, they weren't doing that within the first 200. So I was like, okay, I guess if I have any chance at making this team, I need to make this an honest race. But obviously in a track race, it's so much harder than the roads because you're running in that straight line. Like in a road race, no one's going to let you get away. Like they'll kind of, you know, you can kind of work together. Anyways, long story short, the master 10K was awesome because I think it just kind of boosted my confidence and be like, all right, it's road season. We're going to let that little mini track season go and, and, and reshift the focus and go after a few of these summer road races. Yeah. And that was a stacked field too. I mean, it yeah. was a super, yeah. super stacked field in New York and it's, you know, my home course. Well, well, I've never run that course. They actually changed it this year. Um, and actually are, I believe it or not, I think men are actually allowed to run that race now, but you know, it seems kind of crazy because it was a, been a women's race forever and ever and ever. Um, but just, uh, that's central park, the Hills It's great tune up for you, man. Get ready with New York city. It'll be, it's great, you know, cause you've now run a huge chunk of the park. I'm sure you've raced there before. You've probably done the 5k, the Abbott 5k, or maybe some other race there. And plus, you know, race, you know, going to school or college in Connecticut, I'm sure you've run in central park, you know, plenty of times before, right? Right. For sure. Yeah. Honestly, when I, um, was deciding which marathon I wanted to debut at New York always came to mind. Um, there really wasn't any other competitors like in my mind, because, um, back when I first signed with new balance and also when I was with under armor, I went out to New York to run that 5k that you're talking about. And I just loved getting to stay and watch the marathon the next day. Uh, New York Roadrunners does such a great job of of bringing the athletes into the 5K and then allowing them to stay and watch the marathon. So um, we got to be at the finish line and and watch the race. And it was just so awesome to me, especially when I was fresh out of college, uh, being there and just seeing all like the woman that I looked up to and being like, oh, someday, like I want to be here. So that that's really what made me to, to make that decision. And and just New York Roadrunners in general have, have been so great to me since I graduated from college and and really didn't even have an agent was just reaching out to people like Sam on my own to come and run his races. So yeah, I I'm really excited that I get to do it this year. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. What a place to make your debut. Um, and you know, hanging out on the Verrazano bridge there, there is really no energy like that in the elite field too. I mean, it's just, 
the photographs of the elite women crushing it and coming across the Verrazano and just being in such small packs and just realizing just how few there really are, you know, that are in that field, you know, when you see it and there gets the separation, it doesn't even take more than a couple of miles and you already start to see some pack separation and whatnot. But those photographs that you will get coming across the bridge will be like your all-time favorites for sure, man. And, and the energy you'll feel while the helicopters, the NYPD, Police helicopters are buzzing all around the Verrazano on on the upper level, the lower level. You know, you got uh, just water spouts shooting in the air, and you know you can see New York City, you know, right off there in the horizon. So you pick you pick the right race. I just thought maybe with Adidas, maybe they would have wanted you to run Boston, but um, you know, it's good that you had. It's good that you chose the one that you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, that all sounds so exciting. I, I'm already visualizing it. Um, so obviously, someday I'll, I'll do Boston. Eventually, I want to do them all. But yeah, the, the fall marathon just really stuck out to me for my first one because just think for me to to build my fitness off of this summer training, it's going to be a lot more enjoyable. And Flagstaff this time of year is awesome. So uh, personally, I was trying to think of like you know the best time to train for a marathon is in the end of summer and early fall, uh, spring marathons, especially for you all living uh, back in the East coast, spring marathons would be very challenging. So, uh, yeah, I selfishly was also super excited that the fall time was when I was going to debut. <laughs> yeah. And you can't beat flag anyway, cause your weather is virtually perfect, you know, pretty much all year for training. Um, you got, you know, you got the low humidity, you got the altitude, you have great places to run, you got the forest roads. I mean, you just, you have so many great choices. And then most importantly, you have so many elite, you know, pro athletes out there, even if they're not, you know, being coached by the same, you know, by Terrence, you know, I'm sure you can connect and run with other, you know, athletes that are of similar abilities. I mean, do you run with people from NAS Elite or other teams or, you know, like how are you, or have you put that into practice yet or thought about it? Because obviously your training is going to change as you start to focus more, you know, getting ready for your build. Yeah, flag flag is an awesome place to train. Um, really, all groups work together, and, and even this past weekend, um, NAZ. So typically, they were the one group that kind of always had their own schedule, and you know they were always inviting for you to to overlap with them if it was kind of worked out on their schedule. But um, recently, I've been able to match up with them, and yeah, I, I actually did my long run with a few of their women um, last weekend. It just so it aligned that we both had, you know, a long run. So their coach was out there doing fluids for their athletes. So was able to, to have my water for me, which was so sweet. You know, that's, um, something that, you know, you don't see in other sports. So running it is very different in that way. Um, where, yeah, we're all obviously when we get to the line, we're competitors, but the training is so lonely that if, if you can have people to train with, it's only going to help you and, you know, your competitor. So yeah, NAZ is definitely a good example of that in Flagstaff. Um, uh, there's people that come in and out all the time. So right now, Sarah Pagano, who's also trained by Terrence, she's been in town working with me. Um, Paige Stoner, who's Reebok right now. Um, she's been out here for a few weeks. So she's been kind of meshing with me. It's, it's really just endless different people. And, and it's kind of funny that you know, once your, your number gets out there, you'll have text messages. Hey, it's almost like when you want to run alone, you know, there's going to be people that you have to be like, Oh, sorry, I just want a day on my own today. Um, because there is always options, but it's, it, it is very, very helpful. Yeah. I can imagine some of those group text lists are pretty awesome. 
you know, with yeah. people like, Hey, I'm starting at this time. I'm running this many where I want to hit these paces. And, um, you know, it's just, it's great community, you know, working together and teamwork. And I remember when Molly moved out there, you know, she was running with Alephine and, you know, obviously they're not on the same team and, you know, who knew when the trials were going to come around and it was going to be the two of them were going to be one, two in Atlanta, you know, when I was down there watching that race, but, you know, they'd actually done a lot of long runs and a lot of work together you know, at the end of her cycle when she, that was pretty much when Molly had kind of first gotten out there. So it's pretty cool to see um, people from different club teams or, you know, pro teams, you know, competing, you know, in races on the roads or on the track, but, you know, working together, you know, to get the long runs and the work done that has to get done because it is not fun to have to grind those really hard long ones alone. Although you do need to do some alone once in a while, um, just for the mental mindset, right? Yeah. Yeah. And with that being said, you know, like I'm with key sessions, like I'm not openly inviting <laughs> my competitors to come join me. It's, it's very much, you know, it's uh we're all supportive of one another, but then when you have those big sessions that like key sessions, you're really trying to hit. Yeah. I'm not calling up NAZ and letting uh, Steph Bruce know what I'm doing that day. It's, we kind of, uh, we joke that, yeah, we're, we're friendly with one another and, uh, we'll, we'll do easy runs together, easy long runs together. But when it comes down to those, those big workouts, getting close to the race, it's, you got to have a little bit of that competitive edge on you. And, um, you don't want people to know what every single session you're doing. <laughs> yeah, of course not. You got to hold some stuff back for sure. But even more importantly than, than maybe knowing what you're doing or you knowing what they're doing, it's how you each feel on certain runs. And, you know, if you're going to race each other in a week or two and, you know, maybe you're struggling on a run with them and then, you know, you're going to actually, you know, be hanging out with 10K to go in a race that's, it's not really to your advantage unless you had a day where you crushed everybody and you were feeling strong. And then maybe it is to your advantage because they're all like, oh, wow, Emily ran away from me at the end of that workout. So yeah, it's like, you got to keep, you got to keep some cards to yourself for sure. And, uh, you know, whatever Terrence is working on, you know, obviously he knows you, you said about a year, right? The two of you have been working together. So it's still a pretty new, um, relationship and development, but at the same time, he has a huge amount of experience in the marathon pool um, himself as a runner. And then, as you said, coaching, I know he coached the BAA, those those running programs that the BAA had for regular runners. If you just wanted to run the Boston Marathon and pick a program, I think he used to write those programs and put them out there for regular athletes that wanted to maybe say PQ or, you know, run Boston for their first time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he obviously uh, knows what he's doing. So, um, that going to the marathon, um, we actually sat down, he was here for about a week ago, a week. Well, he just left, but he was here for about a week, but I was in Maine. So I almost, I barely was with him. I was with him Friday and Saturday. So we sat down before he left. Also, he's coaching me from afar. So I'm not, you know, I'm not with him every single day. Um, so when we get together, we, we sit down and, and we can really talk about things and, and just hearing all his advice on how to run New York, what it's going to feel like. And just, it's just so awesome. I don't, I don't know. I mean, yes, there's a lot of coaches that have a lot of experience, but I just think that his experience is like no one else's in the U S. Um, so I, I mean, I'm biased, but it's, it's been really awesome just to kind of hear all the advice he has. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited with it. But with that being said, he's also, uh, super supportive with working with, with me and how I work. And, um, with that being said, I I'm somebody that struggles with high mileage. So we're just really easing into the high mileage, um, doubles. I'm not a huge double run person. I like to cross train some. Um, yeah. So he's just kind of 
working with me in that and just, and just kind of slowly progressing me and not just like throwing these crazy hundred mile weeks and like having me like just have to go out and do it. So yeah, a lot of feedback. There's going to be a lot of communication over the next four weeks and just seeing, seeing how I feel. And and like I said, um, the biggest thing is really not changing anything crazy. We're going to keep training. Like I'm running a 10 K half marathon, keeping my workouts very intense and um, pace specific. And then just adding in those, those long runs. Sounds like a great approach. I mean, you yeah. you got the wheels over the shorter distances and even, you know, the half. I mean, you had a great half in Houston, 107.54. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty awesome, man, to uh, to, ro- to run that fast. Was that um, your first, like, major half that you ran in as far as, like, a major race? Yeah. I mean, that was a huge PR. I had run – I don't remember. I had run Houston in my, like, half debut back in 2019. And, uh, I don't even know if I broke 73 minutes. So, uh, yes, it, it was a very big, big run. My first time running like a big fast half. Um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really know any more to say about it. The race was really weird because we didn't even just how we're also approaching New York. I don't have a time goal, um, for the marathon, um, we're not even gonna, you know, look at my tri- training and say, oh, Emily can run this right now. Um, Houston, we did the same thing. There was absolutely no time goal. We just, you know, I go into every race and I just say, I'm going to commit to being with the front group. And that's what I did. And in the back of my mind, when I found out Sarah was running it, I, I had thought, oh, she's probably going to try to chase the American record. Um, but I mean, I still, you know, decided to, to run with that front group and, and sure enough, she was chasing the American record, but that just pulled five other ladies to really fast times. So yeah, yeah. I guess I was surprised by the time in Houston. Um, but I never liked getting beat and I got beat by woman that, you know, if I go head to head with, I would like to beat next time. So yeah. Um, I don't know. Time is never really something that I actually go after. I'm much more of like a competitor and, and really just like to, to see how high up I can finish on that day. I love it. Well, when you put your focus that way, it's just, it's honestly a better way to approach racing in general anyway. Um, because at the end of the day, if that's going to make you the most happy, how high you place and you know, obviously you want to win, everyone wants to win, but unfortunately we can't all, um, well, there's only so many Kipchogis around and Sarah Hall's too, for that matter, who's had one hell of a career, um, super inspiring watching what she's been doing, um, particularly as, um, you know, she's gotten older, you know, still just doing amazing, amazing things out there on the roads and just is so, so competitive in, in virtually every major race that she shows up at. Um, but getting into a pack like that, that's going to suit you. And New York is going to give you that opportunity because New York is just, you will not be alone other than running on the 59th street bridge. You will not be alone other than those, you know, that quiet eerie moments of running inside the 59th street bridge. Cause it's just, you're alone and you'll be with less people, obviously being in elite women's pack, wherever you guys are in the placement area, there won't be a lot of people around you, but it's just eerie because there, you know, the bridge is above you. So you can hear footfalls and, you know, there's just not many people around there after being surrounded by people everywhere. And then you just empty out onto First Avenue and it's like a scene out of Gladiator, man. You just dump out, you know, onto First Avenue and it's just wild, man. It's like a scene out of a movie. And, you know, you're all just running up 
you know, First Avenue in, in a small pack and those people are just going to go bananas, like cheering for you all. Um, so just don't get too, just don't get too crazy there because yeah. you might be dropping in some like, you know, 420 miles or something and, you know, trying to, you know, think the race is almost over, but you still have, you still have a ways to go there. Cause you're like mile 16 when you, when you enter the city, but, um, I'm excited for you, man. You, it's really, there's nothing like it. And, uh, you hit on a bunch of that stuff before about how great the roadrunners are with, integrating you all if you are doing the 5k and not racing it but then being around for the weekend and being at the finish area and going to all the events and being part of it it's just uh they're developing their bench you know with their future pro runners and you know they're going to move up from maybe the 5k you know to the marathon so you know kudos to them for the job they do on that for sure yeah yeah so hopefully there'll be another one of you know uh, fresh out of college, little Emily's that are running the 5k and they see me run the marathon and in five years time, they'll be back to run the marathon. So that's what I hope is to and inspire other, other you know, aspiring pros. Cause that's, that's what I was back in, in 2018. It would have been. I love that goal. And it's, it's a, it's as pure as it gets. Um, believe me, there is somebody out there that says, Emily's who I like. She's my favorite runner. I, I got to track her. I got to watch her on Instagram, maybe even on Strava, who knows where, but they're following you. They come to a race, they come out and they cheer and it's pretty awesome. But the same thing goes, you can go back to your school. You can go back to UConn and be part as an alumni, you know, show up at cross country meets if it works out with your pro schedule and, you know, for them to have you back on the campus and talk to those athletes you know, what an experience for them, you know, to be involved and stay involved in the community. Is that something you, you know, aspire to do? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Especially like even at like the high school level, when I was home in Maine, I, um, I spent a day with uh, a bunch of high school kids that were getting ready for preseason. So they just did like, they, they weren't meeting with coaches. So they just did like a organized group run. And I went there and, and it's just kind of cool to, to talk to them some of them are, are super serious with, with the running and really want to do it in college. So it's great to give advice to them. And then others just love doing it in high school and in our freshmen and, and have the goal to, to run in high school for four years. So it really doesn't matter what the goal is, small or big. It's just great to, to talk through those goals with them. And um, there's so many things that I wish I knew at that level. Um, just, and even today on our, on our run, we were just joking about the pressure we put on ourselves at the college level to, so I never made NCAAs, uh, outdoor. I get to re I'd make it to regionals and, um, yeah, never made it on to, to nationals. Uh, but it's just so crazy. And then you hear about the, the people that did make it to nationals and, and how important to them it was, Oh, I have to come in the podium if I want to keep running. And, and that stuff is just so not true. Like, it's so funny that we put all this pressure on ourselves at a young age that we have to do X, Y, and Z to be here. And, um, yeah, sometimes it just takes more time. And, um, the, there, there is sometimes a linear, linear way to do it. Like you're a top high school runner, you're a top college runner, and then you go and you're a top pro runner, uh, Sarah Hall. She, she was like that. Um, Emily Stiston, you know, there's ton, Corey McGee, that was the, all the, all those runners, but there's a lot of other um, people like myself that, you know, we didn't develop until we were kind of in college and then after we graduated. So, yeah, I, I really would like to seek out more people like myself and um, kind of talk through how I slowly progressed year after year. And, um, yeah, if there's any way that 
I can be a resource of, of athletes. That's definitely my my biggest goal. Well, that uh, that talk track is really going to resonate because you know so many of the runners that I've had on here were not great collegiately. They did put too much pressure on themselves. They got injured a lot. They ran too many miles. Their nutrition wasn't good. They were suffering through multiple stress fractures, and you know, for lack of a better term, sometimes even just depressed and didn't feel that they had earned their spot or holding on to their spot. Um, I remember talking to Ben Flanagan, who won his third, you know, third Falmouth yesterday, third in a row. Big Ben just ripping and you know doing his uh, break through the tapes, and you know, yeah. the best styler of all time, you know, coming through. And man, the guy's got hops for a little guy. Man, I don't know how he gets gets so much air, but um, he talked about that a lot. You know, that that pressure was from him. It was not from his coach who believed in him and gave him the scholarship. That he just felt this intense pressure that he wasn't running as fast as he should. He wasn't competing with the other kids that came in his class of his year. And it really wasn't until his senior year where he really started to kind of figure it out. And of course, had a, he also had a red, red shirt year in there too because of injury. So, so many more people are like you that didn't get it right away and maybe didn't even get it. So maybe you didn't really even hit it in college, but now you're really having success. You know, Ben found it, you know, won the NCAAs, obviously, at the end there. But that was a huge upset. You know, he wasn't having, you know, some big success. So it's uh, it's refreshing to hear you talk about it. And I hope it helps people take some pressure off themselves and not put this crazy amount of pressure on themselves to make, you know, the cross-country finals and this and that. Sure, we, we should always have big goals, but at the same time, the world's going to keep spinning. And, um, you know, maybe that's not supposed to be the race where we have our breakthrough. You know, maybe it's not supposed to happen when we're on campus, when we're only, you know, 21 or 22 years old and we're just not developed enough. Um, maybe it takes a few more years um, to really get it together and feel like this is what you really want and really go after the training and just pursue it in a different manner. Yeah, for sure. And, and like I said, yeah, there's just so many different athletes and there's so many different ways to get to where you want to be. And, uh, we were also on our run. We were talking about that today with, with marathon training. It's, it's, it's fascinating to, cause obviously I follow a bunch of runners. So I've kind of looked and seen like what certain Americans do for training. And it's so crazy that you can take like five different athletes that train completely different and get the same result. Um, so yeah, there's not one way to success. And, and there's some people that they just kind of have this really gradual, um, process and they're just kind of always been at, been at the top or close to the top. And there's others that, you know, are a little bit lower and it took longer to get, get there. So, uh, yeah, it's same with, same with marathon training. There's, you know, there's some people that are only running lower miles and faster workouts. And there's other people that love running higher miles and, um, yeah, it's just so crazy. There's just so many different ways to, to get to, um, where you want to be. So well said. And, you know, there isn't one style that's going to work. And um, I think, you know, from my recollection, and I, I haven't met Terrence personally, but I definitely know of his coaching and his, his skill set. He struck me as being somebody who really knows the analytical side, like incredibly well. But I think the key is, is knowing the analytics and knowing all the data and all that other stuff. But how do you adjust it to Emily to make it work for Emily? Like if you're don't want to be looking at 14 or 16 weeks. Like you said, when we first came on, he's making you think about the 10 mile race first. And then what, let's worry about how many weeks are after that and what we're going to do after that. That just shows he's way more aware of just mentally and psychologically how to handle his athletes as opposed to just, this is what we need to do. And if we don't do this, we're not going to get you where we need to be. Cause that, that kind of was the old school way. 
you know, like you need to run this many miles and you need to do two, two a days and you need to do X, Y, Z. And then trying to fit everybody into these forms and patterns, I think it broke way more people than, you know, it in turn to success. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A big thing uh, with Terrence is we don't do anything that like doesn't make sense. So every single workout, every single run, every single lifting program, drill, exercise, there's all a purpose to it. You know, it's, you know, so if there's no purpose to this, I don't know, certain workout, then we're not going to do it. It's everything is very, like you said, it's down to the number, it's down to the pace and yeah, it's so funny. Like I remember when I first sat down and joined him, he'd be like, Oh, okay, what's like a typical workout for you? And I'd say, Oh, 10 mile tempo at like this pace. And he'd be like, Well, why why that pace? I'm like, I don't know. So he also wants me to know why I'm running a certain pace. Um, so that's been been really cool. Cause as an athlete, I also like knowing that. Like it's 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 really cool to know why I'm doing something and not just be thrown training and be like, okay, get this done. So yeah, I always ask questions and he is very good to answer. And then he always says, if, you know, if I don't have an answer for it, then you don't have to do it. So <laughs> most of the time there's an answer. Yeah. I like it. There's your way out. If something seems a little too crazy, like, right. yeah, when right. you look at the workout and you're like, oh boy, you know, when you, when you have the emoji eyes and you're like, oh no, we've all done that before. And we're looking at a training cycle and you're like, you go to that one workout and you're like, oh, oh no, I, I can't do this. But then somehow the coach knows that you can, they know Emily can do it, um, or they really believe you can. And the best relationships, the ones that are the most powerful and have the most success are the ones where they believe in you so much that if they tell you, you can do it, you actually just believe you can. And, you know, you're empowered enough to think like, Hey, Terrence thinks I can do this. And again, not, you guys aren't setting pace goals and time goals, but still that he thinks you can actually do this on this day. That gives you a lot of self-confidence and really helps you believe in yourself, you know, in, in terms of, you know, what you're really capable of doing. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that is why, um, the training specific training is so important. So then when you do show up on race day that you have that confidence and you can look back and like, think about those workouts you did. And, and yeah, I, I do think that, um, race specific workouts and, and knowing why you're doing this workout for this particular race is, is super helpful. Cause that's how we get our confidence, um, as runners, at least, at least me. And I think a lot of other people do like when they smash the a good long run or a session, they stand up on the start line. They're like, all right, I'm ready to go. So as a coach, you also, um, you want to give athletes challenging workouts, but you also want to give athletes workouts that they can accomplish and feel good about coming away from. And, and Terrence does a really good job of that. Um, like you just said, he's not going to give me something that I can't handle and be like defeated by. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure if all coaches are like that. I think that you know, there's maybe some athletes that they're, they're given something and if they can't do it, they feel like they failed. Um, so I really appreciate the way that Terrence coaches is, is I've never like felt like I've failed in a workout. That's great. Cause that's probably the single biggest piece to success is if the communication and the trust are there. And if you, you need to be able to tell your coach like, Hey, I, I'm not feeling well today, or I'm just not, I'm not feeling it. I'm, you know, it's not gonna, I don't think, I don't think I'm gonna be able to get this done today you know, that has to be like, okay, Emily, scratch it. You know, we'll skip the hard, we'll skip the hard day today and, you know, we'll get after it in two days or on Saturday or Sunday. And when you don't have that kind of trust or confidence with each other, because it's a both, you know, both directions, it has to be, 
Um, it might just be like, wow, she just, she doesn't really want to tackle this thing and she's, she's afraid to get after it or he's afraid to, you know, really jump into this cycle and get going. So it's super important that you already have like trust developed and, uh, you know, good communication between the two of you. So, um, let's shift gears a little for, for people on my show who may not know you, maybe aren't following you, you know, on in Instagram and know of your professional running history and whatnot. How about you just tell everybody a little bit about your background, life growing up as a kid, when you got in sports, just a little, little background like that. Yeah, for sure. So I'm originally from Standish, Maine, and then I went to high school in Portland, Maine, um, which is like 35, 40 minutes from where I live. So it was a private school. So I would uh, commute into school. And then um, I got into running at a pretty young age. In our town, we had a USATF summer track program where you would meet a couple times a week and then they had meets like every other weekend. So I got into it more because all the neighborhood kids and my friends did it. Um, and I was a big dancer uh, all the way up through, I mean, child, my little, little, little. And then I ended up stopping dance when I got into running. But anyways, I was big into dance. So um, got into the, the track and field mainly because that's just what all my friends were doing. And like any track, any young kid getting into track and field, I wanted to do the hundred meter dash, the high jump. So, uh, yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was doing. And I was only in like fourth grade, but every other week it was like, we had a 1500 meter race for the age I was at. Um, and we didn't have any girls to run it in for our team. So my dad's like, Oh, maybe you should, you should run it this week. And I was like, started crying. I was like, oh, I can't run that many times around the track. Like, that's way too far. You know, you would have thought he was like t yelling at me or something. He's like, it's okay. Like, I would just, you don't have to do it. Um, and then like the a high school uh, girl who was like our coach, the high school, high schoolers would coach the, the young kids. She's like, oh, like this is the event that I do. Like, you, I think you'd be good at it. And of course I looked up to her because I thought she was so great. And yeah, so entered the race and I ended up winning it. And I had not won any event in that summer. So that's when I fell in love with distance running because I won. Um, so that's probably how, yeah, the competitiveness started with me. Um, and back to how every race that I run, like I just, yeah, like to be as close to the front as possible. I've had a lot of second place finishes in my pro career the past couple of years. So still waiting for that victory. But um, I just loved that feeling of, of crossing the line first. And that's kind of how the love of distance running began. And long story short, I had to quit my competitive dancing so that I could um, run indoor track and, and just had so much fun with it all through middle school and high school. And yeah, got a scholarship to to college. Wow, that is fantastic. So your dad, you know, you you think he was asking you to go get a root canal to run the fifteen hundred, but right, it ends right. up it ends up being like a breakthrough thing for you. So you so you actually win it, and that feeling it's uh you, it stays with you forever. You know, you oh, were a kid, yeah. and look at your face. I could see you're you're so excited just re remembering the moment and what it felt like. Um, and, and that's, that's all it takes. You know, there goes the dance career out the window, you know, push that off to the side. Now I'm a runner and now we're going to, we're going to do all this. Were, were mom and dad runners? Were they athletes at all? Yeah. So my parents are high school sweethearts, been together since like eighth grade. They're both from Kittery, Maine, um, which is right over the bridge, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And then Kittery is this really small town in Maine. 
Um, so high school, my mom was a really good runner. And back in the day, the first year that they allowed women to run in the new England cross country championships, which is a big thing for Maine. Um, they, she was in that race. I forget the year I'd have to go back and find the year. Um, yes. So anyways, ran all through high school and my dad just did cross country team because my mom did cross country team. So he was never like a very good runner, but always athletic. Um, he still runs every day. My mom, um, unfortunately had to have knee surgery at a pretty young age. And that was back when knee surgery was not the way it is now. So they like completely remove like your, all your like meniscus and it's just like bone on bone or however, whatever it is. Um, yeah. So she still actually has issues with that to this day. So she can't do any form of running, but super fit still works out. Um, yeah, I have a brother who also was super competitive in sports, but, um, that's definitely, definitely probably where I get my running, my running from is, is more so my mom. Cool. And your brother is older or younger? Yeah, he's older. So he is 32. Um, he lives in New Hampshire, so still close to home and, um, yeah. And he was a runner too. No, I mean, he was big, big high school athlete. He did do track, um, indoor track, but he was big into football and baseball. And then yeah, did the indoor track, but was super talented at the high school level. And, um, was someone that when he went to college, he's like, I want to have fun. Seems like too much pressure to do a sport. So he took the other route of going to college and enjoying himself. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. I mean, we, we need that, man. We got to have some fun too. Um, yeah, yeah. We can't all be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can be crazy and have fun and hopefully, you know, get it all done. But, um, it's, it's certainly, certainly a challenge. And so you move through high school and you get a scholarship to go to UConn and, um, what was the collegiate experience like? I mean, I know obviously you didn't hit your peak by any means because we kind of went over that a little bit already, but what was it like for you? I mean, was it exciting? Was it fun? Was it just, uh, exhausting? Like, what was it like trying to balance it all? You know, academics, you know, running the mileage meets all of it. Yeah, it was super challenging coming from, um, so obviously my brother was enough years older than, than me that my high school, I pretty much, he was at college. So I was home by myself. I had my own bathroom. I was, it was just like a really big adjustment for me from going from, that to being in college, sharing a dorm with someone, having to go to classes. So the lifestyle in itself was challenging. And then on top of that, like I was the best on my team in high school and I would always be in the front of races. And then you get to college and it's like, I'm not even going to make the travel team. And I just feel like you just feel like almost like defeated. It's so I had a really, really tough freshman year. And thankfully my coach at the time, Andrea Grove McDonough, who's kind of bounced around a lot. She was just such a great life coach over, you know, even running coach. Cause we joke to this day that she never really got to coach me in running because my freshman year, I was like such a hot mess. Um, <laughs> uh, so I actually ended up, I did, I did compete some across country. And then I ended up, she ended up redshirting me and was like, let's just figure out the schooling, the living. So, um, it was super awesome to have her kind of just be like, let's take a step back from the running so you can like figure out yourself. Um, but then unfortunately I started to figure out myself the end of my freshman year and then she left UConn. Um, so that was a little challenging because all of my teammates that I had become so close to, uh, UConn actually that year I was a freshman, they took seventh at cross country nationals. 
So that was huge for a school like UConn. Um, so the, it was like really exciting. And, and obviously I wasn't on that team because I was a hot mess. So I was like, next year, I'm going to make this team and, you know, we're going to come in even higher. And then everyone left because she left. So they all like transferred out. So I come back sophomore year. And I mean, of course I couldn't leave because I had no other options. They're like, Emily, who like, <laughs> I was just happy that you know, UConn didn't take my scholarship away. Um, so I come back sophomore year and Amy Begley, who now coaches Atlanta track club was our coach. So that was like, super exciting. Cause obviously I, I knew about Amy and, and her professional running career. So I was like, all right, well, this could be, this could be good. And um, I ended up being the number one runner on the team, probably because most people left, but <laughs> I, I also did uh, get to turn my life around. And sophomore year was just a way, way different experience than freshman year. I obviously matured a lot and um, kind of figured out what I wanted to do school-wise and all that. So yeah, that's kind of where the shift kind of started and um, and had had Amy and Andrew to to uh, Andrew was her husband. So he also helped out, um, with our team and they, they were really awesome and kind of helped me. Yeah. Navigate, um, this next level and, and, and kind of, and told me like how good I could be. So that was, that was super exciting. And then they left. <laughs> so <laughs> we have a pattern developing here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. And now it's funny because now in my pro career, I've actually already had three coaches in like four years. So, um, I don't, maybe it's me. I don't know. Um, so no, so the Begley's their, their really big vision was, was to coach a pro team. They really did want to get into, um, the pro coaching and they were doing a little of that when they were at UConn. So when the Atlanta job opened up, they went to that, which yeah, now they're both in doing amazing. I still get to see them quite a bit. And now Atlanta's Adidas. So we kind of have that in common. I know I got my peach tree shirt on. So I got to spend quite a bit of time in Atlanta with them this past summer. Um, and then JJ Clark came in, who's now at Stanford. So I ended my career with JJ Clark, who, oh yeah, was probably the best thing um, for me to end, to end my college career out. He's uh, really, you know, a really great, obviously had a ton of success in the 800, um, super big into middle distance and all that, but also a great distance coach. And, and he, uh, definitely held me back, like with mileage wise, super low mileage, tons of weight room. If you look at pictures of me in college, I was like super buff and <laughs> looked like a different person. So, but with that being said, I, I definitely learned um, something from all of them. And I give a lot of credit to where I'm at in my career now from all the coaches that I had all those years because, yeah, it never got boring. And, and once I got kind of used to something, we just switched it up. <laughs> that's that's awesome. So three three different coaches, but also three incredibly different styles, obviously, um, oh, yeah. you know, and you, and you, as you said, beautifully hot mess, that could be the title of the episode, but no, we can't go there. It would be super fun, but we wouldn't do that to you. Um, but who's not a hot mess freshman year of college. I'd like, I want to meet that person. I know I was, um, oh, yeah. you know, you can't even figure out where your classes are and you know, you know where to go to the dining hall, you know, and you know where your practice fields are and whatnot, but the rest of it is all a mystery. I mean, you literally have no idea what's going on and, and we're like, wait, we're allowed to just go out to parties and do this stuff. Like we, no one knows what they're doing when they arrive at college. I mean, the first year should be a free year. It shouldn't count. So luckily for you, you did red shirt. And, um, you know, I think in a way it's cool that you had got to experience the different styles for sure. I'm, I'm each one of them very distinctively different. 
And JJ, we talked a little bit about the Clark family before we came on the air because I went to high school with Joetta, you know, his sister. So I know the Clark family well. They're legends in my high school hometown in New Jersey, Columbia High School. And the whole family, including the dad, my God, they made the movie about the father. So, and uh, just all of them, even her daughter, you know, Joetta's daughter, just killing it at World Champs. So really, uh, really cool. And awesome that he was holding you back. So um, he figured that piece out and, you know, we got the buff, we got the buff photos. So, you know, maybe we'll get a weightlifting shot for the episode cover. We'll see. Um, we'll see what we decide to go with for the episode graphic. But um, did you have a favorite memory or moment, you know, from your college racing career, like one race, anything that stands out that's like really poignant? Yeah. So crazy enough, uh, what year was it? Junior year. Um there, I actually did make, I, I know people always get mad at me when I say I never made nationals. I made cross country nationals. Me and my teammate, Lauren, Sarah, we both made cross country nationals as individuals. So this was when, um, what still, when it was in that mix of when the program, we like had no girls, we actually didn't even have enough girls to score um, at regionals. <laughs> so yeah, we, the two of us made nationals as individuals. And that was when, so JJ, um, had come in and the Begley's actually stayed around for the fall season. So the, the, he was there and also the Begley's. So that was probably like the biggest, I don't know, highlight to, to my college career. Cause that was just so awesome. And, and at that point, I feel like I was running so freely. Like I had no pressure. Like I didn't, I didn't have any expectations of like running professionally. I had improved so much from freshman year. It was just such a big highlight to to make it with Lauren as an individual and um, go to cross countries. I, I I looked up my result at one point in time, but I think I don't know. It was like in the hundreds. It was it was really 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 bad, but I did make it there. Um, so that was that was super exciting. Uh, yeah, probably that. And then at UConn, um, the biggest thing for us was the conference. So conference championships were always so much fun because that's when it wasn't just like the distance program. It was like the whole track team came together and we'd always open up with like the 10K, you know, so I'd run the 10K and we'd like have a bunch of teammates and you'd get all the points that first night and we'd all go back to the hotel and everyone would be pumped. And that that's something where, you know, it's running track and field is a really individual sport. But when it comes to championship at UConn, it was just at the championship level. It was really a team sport because, um, yeah, the, the long jumpers, you know, maybe most of the time of the year, they had no idea like how many laps of 10K was or like what times were good. Um, but for the championship race, like everyone was locked in. And then the same way for like the distance runners, like, okay, maybe we weren't following like shot put all year, but for championship race, we were all like making sure to like, be looking up the scores and all that. So yeah, it, it just kind of brought the team together and you really felt that that team environment. So that was another really, really awesome memory that that I had. Yeah. I mean, that's that's probably the first time you really got a chance to feel totally connected as a whole team. Like you For said, sure. you know, especially from you starting off, you know, being a big part of it, running the 10,000, 10, you know, with your other teammates and then, you know, having to dig in and pay attention to who these other athletes are and how do they score and what are they doing? You know, so they're probably watching you all for the first time and you're, you're watching them and, you know, versus at other meets, it probably really wasn't like that. So what a, what a neat experience, you know, for everybody. So then post-collegiately, when did you, you know, take it seriously and start thinking like, Hey, this, this could be a pro career for me because clearly, you know, you were running a lot faster than your college years, which is terrific. And as we talked about, 
it's more common, you know, than you think. And uh, you had some great sound bites in that earlier. But when did you start thinking like, hey, this, I can make a career at this. I could become a pro. I can do this. That's another thing that that took some time in another topic that I'd love to share some insight on with anyone who needs it. That's kind of coming out of the college system and, um, you know, wants to keep running, but didn't quite get that level in college. So, of course, the biggest thing after college is you sign with an agent, but typically agents are going after the top finishers at NCAAs. You know, that's how, what brand deals um, sign, um, which makes total sense. So for me, it was more JJ encouraging me to look into groups around the country or, you know, staying in, in Connecticut and training with him for a year. Uh, he gave me that option. And so I did I did look into some groups. I, um, I reached out to like Zap out in Boone. Um, and it was kind of crazy because even like a lot of the groups, like I'd go online and look, the standards were so fast and I hadn't run, I hadn't run fast enough. So it was kind of like, Oh my goodness, I guess I don't like, I can reach out, but like that, I guess that's kind of how they have to like set the precedent, what, you know, you know to kind of, give like a, yeah, to narrow it down. So I would like go on like the Minnesota distance and I'd be, oh my gosh, that time I can't run 10K that fast. So yeah, it, it really was kind of stressful. And if I was on my own, I probably don't know if I would have kept going, but I had uh, JJ who had watched my progression for three years and was like, you're just getting started. Like you, we gotta, we gotta keep training for at least a year. Um, so I was roommates and my best friend in college was Lily D'Agostino, who, uh, sister to Abby D'Agostino, who was training with Mark Coogan in Boston. So I had that connection and, uh, JJ's like, you should reach out to, to Mark and, and see if you could you know, train with those girls in Boston. It's not that far from your house. And, you know, that's something that I think would be really good for you. So I call up Mark Coogan, got his number from, from, uh, Abby. And I drive to his house. I had a cover letter and a resume about my running and my cover letter expressing what I would bring to his group and why, you know, he, he would, he should want to coach me. So it's funny to this day, Mark still comes out to Flagstaff because New Balance Boston trains out here multiple times a year. And, and he says he still has that uh, tucked away in his uh, cabinet, in his <laughs> kitchen. But anyways, it wasn't up to him. He had to ask his boss at New Balance if he could bring on another girl because because technically if I was part of the group, not that I needed to have like a contract, but I would have to get like gear and a gym membership and all that. So basically that's how I got my first gig was Mark, you know, went, went to bat for me and, and said, yeah, let's, let's get this girl, uh, training with the girls and, and see, see what she can do. So then, um, New Balance gave me, um, apparel and coaching and I moved out to Boston and, and found a nanny job and, and figured out how much I had to make per week to pay my rent. And, um, that's what I did for, for the first year. Absolutely love it. Um, it sounds remarkably similar to Dakota's story when Dakota was on with me. Um, she literally banged on so many doors all herself the same way. Uh, maybe yeah. not with the cover letter, you know, and just going directly to someone's house, but the same way. I mean, 
people just have this total misconception that, you know, the, the shoe brands and the companies are just banging on your door and other athletes' doors. It's just not that way at all, unless you're at the absolute top, as you said, and you're, you know, scoring at the top of NCAAs and cross country and nationals, indoor, outdoor, you know, they're, those athletes are going to get signed and rightfully so. But it's the rest, this huge pool of other athletes who maybe haven't even come close to hitting their potential or even scratch the surface that are just out there kind of in this free form spot. And it takes, you know, real gumption, huge gumption and, uh, you know, or, or balls, as we might say, to just say, I'm going after this, man. You know, whether it's I'm going to go after Mark Coogan and try to convince him or, you know, Dakota similarly went to different groups and just said, you know, hey, take a chance on me. Um, and, you know, um, Howie, Meb's brother is her agent, you know, Howie management. Um, and same thing. And then Puma for her. And so for you, it's, it started with New Balance and with Mark. And I used to watch Mark. Mark was a great marathon runner. Man, he used to run in the trial. I used to watch him. That's when I first got into marathoning myself, man. He was always right there competing to make an Olympic team himself as a marathoner. But he also ran 10,000 and all the other distances. So he's a terrific runner himself. Um, but I remember him you know, from back in my day, you know, when I stopped playing college baseball and realized I wasn't going to become a pro baseball player and started running in my thirties, Mark was, uh, he was terrific, man, fierce competitor, you know, um, really good over multiple distances. So what a great, what a great place for you to start. And, uh, you know, if JJ hadn't can, you know, encouraged you to keep sticking with it and to train for like another year, let's say, and to stay with it, who knows, you know, you might've just, uh, you might've punted all together. You know, you yeah. might you might not have been in been in the spot you are, or it could be like Kira too. We're talking about people, you know, that take a crazy path or an unusual path. Look at her path. I mean, in terms of, you know, just completely stepping away from it, you know, and then coming back to it, you know, so many years later. And then look at how much hungrier she is and how much success she's having. So yeah, a lot of people will hear this and this talk track, and hopefully it will encourage a lot of post-collegiate runners that are thinking they're not good enough or they don't have what it takes or they didn't have the success in college that maybe they dreamed of, but they'll be able to hear your story and your words and be like, hey, look, it worked out for Emily. Um, you know, maybe I maybe I should stick with it a little bit longer. Yeah, for sure. And and with that all, all being said, I mean, I, I had people around me telling me I was good enough, but it all comes back to that I truly did believe that I could get to the next level. Um, and, and I was realistic with it. And I, I'm somebody that has always, since I've been like a little girl, I give myself these, these goals and like this timeline. Um, and I remember like moving to Boston, I was like, all right, we're going to do this for a year. If, if my times don't get better and, and I'm, and I, you know, and I, sometimes it takes more than a year. I understand that. But I was like, if, if I'm not improving and I'm not enjoying it, then that's it. We're going to, we're going to move on to the next thing. So yeah, I also, at the end of the day, I had people telling me, but it was really the self-belief in myself. And that is how I feel like I'm still in the sport now. And, um, all the great runners is they truly believe that they can be the best. Um, and I don't think you make it far in the sport if you don't have that self-belief. So well said. And one of the typical questions asked runners is where their drive and spirit and energy, you know, comes from and your passion. I mean, you obviously have the self-belief, you know, you have the drive, you know, you're giving yourself timelines, you're doing all this stuff. So that's like part of who you are. It's part of your DNA. Like, where do you think it comes from? Um, mom, dad, another athlete, a coach somewhere along the way, or is it just something that you think feel like has just always been there? Yeah, I, I think it's always been there. I, like I said, even I remember being in middle school and, um, 
wanting to to go to college. I, I wanted to, for some reason I thought I was going to go to UNC in the sixth grade. That's where I wanted to go, but didn't didn't that that goal didn't get accomplished. But I just remember like saying like I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get a full scholarship to go to college. Like I I like made that goal in middle school. Um, and it's crazy because then I looked at a ton of schools and not the only reason I picked UConn is because that's where they gave me money, but it was one of the big reasons because, um, yeah, I had set that goal to myself. I, I believed that I deserved a full scholarship. And, and when I was looking at schools that said, oh, you know, we can offer you freshman year, but we'll have to decide for the rest of the years or, oh, we can give you partial. And I said, nope, like I, I'm going to get a full scholarship somewhere. So it's just something that I've, I've had in me and, and yeah, maybe that comes from my family, but I think, like I said, it's definitely something that, that you're born with. And, um, and the same thing with New Balance, like, of course, when I went to Mark, um, I asked to get a contract. I was like, hell yeah. I was like, I'm not going to do this for free. And he obviously explained it to me and was like, it's, you know, like, uh, yeah, well, let's see how much you can improve in a year. And then maybe we can look into getting you an agent. So but yeah, I, I I didn't just knock on the door asking to join the team. I was asking for for money too. So um, I think it's just something that that I've always had. <laughs> Love it, yeah. But it's it's a port, an important piece in this in this puzzle because um, it's a tough sport to make money in, and you have to advocate for yourself every step of the way. And until you get an agent, and even if you have an agent, you still have to continue advocating for yourself. You you still have to promote yourself. You're, you have to promote your racing, your training, and. Um, and some people really don't want to do that or they're, they're not really into social and, you know, going on and posting stuff. But you know what? If you want to really gain traction and build more connection with the community, it's just something if you do it, you're going to get more people interested in what's going on and what's Emily up to, what race is next for her and how's her team doing? What's her coach up to? You know, people take more of an interest in you and they're going to root for you. I mean, at the end of the day, and that's what you want, right? You want more people in your corner. So if you have a great race, you have more people to share the win with, right? The excitement with, and also on the downside, you know, when you don't have a good race, we all have some that we bomb or just mail in, or maybe even don't finish a DNF. It's also, you know, equally powerful to have people who've been supporting you that are just like, Hey, Emily, it's all right, man. Don't worry. You get them the next one and that type of thing. So that's another big piece, um, that is really important to do, particularly today for runners, you know, in this period, this period of time. And how do you, how do you enjoy that part of it? Yeah, for sure. Luckily enough for me, because I do know that there are some athletes that just don't like the social media side of things. And, um, yeah, like, and I totally get that, but for me, like, I've just always liked it. Um, I, I, I wasn't quite in this like generation. I actually am very happy. I'm not in college now because now they have like that new rule where you can like make money on Instagram with brands and all that. And I think that that, I think it's great, but I think it would have been just another piece that would have been so stressful to like have to navigate. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm very happy that that is in place and that, you know, these, these runners or football players and all that can make money. But for me personally, I'm like, gosh, like I could barely handle like the running in the school. Imagine like Instagram on top of it. But yeah, I've always enjoyed social media. So I I love putting out what I'm doing, interacting with people, obviously coming on podcasts. Like it's just something that I I do enjoy um to an extent. With that being said, that yeah, you kind of have to to make sure that you're checking in and and um not letting it kind of uh 
uh, impact your mood or, you know, uh, in with, with running and non-running stuff. Like if you, if you go on a deep dive and start comparing, obviously what certain people are doing and all these trips or whatnot, that can cause you to think less of yourself. And then in the running world, um, you know, Instagram people will post oh, 20 mile run at six minute pace. Like, holy crap, I've barely run 16 miles. So um, that, so it is that I do have to continue to check in and be like, all right, you can't, yeah, become obsessed with it. But it is such a great tool if used properly. Yeah, I think so. And particularly for you, um, where you have an interest in sharing more of your own story where you had struggles and didn't really get it and didn't connect with the sport and, you know, hit your, you know, your true ability, you know, really, you know, getting to where your potential is, where you're just, you're just getting there now. I mean, you've got a long ways to go, you know, you're really just building up and you're, you're part of it as, as we're going on right now. But, um, I ask every runner that comes on the show about community service and something that they may be doing or have thought about doing where they can give back. And I see it as such a natural thing for you to not only work with your old school, but just runners, you know, post-collegiately, they might be struggling with these things. These topics are important to you. I can just see, you know, your energy, you know, perk up talking about it and maybe sharing some ideas and tips for them. So what are some things that you'd like to do in the community that maybe if you're not doing them now today, maybe you'd like to do, you know, moving forward? Yeah. I I always say that I I wish there was more uh, groups kind of in in between um, college and then obviously pro running signing contracts. Um, there's a, there's a good example of that. Actually today I spent a little time on their YouTube page. Um, McCurdy training is in Flagstaff and he's done a really great job with that. And it's still very new, um, where he, you know, brings in these athletes that aren't quite at the level to get a contract, but they're all graduating from college. And yeah, I really admire what he's doing here in Flagstaff with them. Um, so they, the female team's a little small, uh, they have more males that are involved in it, but yeah, just more opportunities like that, that, that would have been great when I graduated college to kind of have someone help you navigate the sport and, um, and figuring it all out. And honestly, even, even the top, top athletes, like, it's so crazy, like signing with an agent and, and these contracts and, um, going with a brand deal. And like, we don't, you know, we're, we're only what you graduate college, like 22, 23 years old, and you're doing all this stuff. And yeah, you can have parents, but parents don't know either. Like it, this it's, it's a crazy, crazy world. And, and yeah, just to like educate and, um, help younger athletes that are going through this process. I, I had a few, cause obviously I didn't go, um, with an agent right away. So I, I was really lucky to have people like Abby and Corey and Katrina, um, in Boston that kind of went through that process. Um, and kind of were able to help me through it, but yeah, I just think that there's, there's so much to, to learn and and educate on that we're not taught. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Cause it doesn't matter who your parents are unless they know about sports marketing and how those contracts work. And it's a very niche business. And, um, you know, as we all know, the deals that are offered to one are not the same to someone else. So it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Even if you have a general understanding of what's going on, you know, what's offered to one could be completely different. So it is, um, it's tricky for sure to navigate, but you know, the important thing is, you know, you're, you're moving on the path, you know, you're, you're moving in the right direction. You know, you signed with a great brand. Adidas is, um, you know, their shoes and their tech is right there. So, cause that is definitely one of the things you got to worry about as a really competitive pro athlete 
if you're running like with Under Armour, it totally made sense that they let those athletes, you know, out of those deals and good for them for doing that. I mean, they didn't have to do that. Um, I thought that was a class move, you know, on their part, because I've had a couple other athletes on too. And, you know, because if you can't, you better believe that when you're doing all that work and you're putting in all the miles and you're doing all the hard stuff and you feel like you and your coach have it nailed, the last thing you want to be thinking about is my shoes aren't competitive <laughs> with what everybody else is wearing. And, you know, maybe that's going to inhibit me or give me less of a chance because particularly it makes so much more of a difference when you start stretching it out from 10K to half marathon is one thing, but when you go from half to full, you know, it really makes a difference. So, you know, you can feel good about it, right? Right. Yeah, no, that, that was huge. And obviously super, super good things to say about Under Armour. They were the ones that gave me my first uh, pro deal and, and allowed me to move out to Flagstaff and, and train full time. So yeah. And, and basically it was just, they didn't have the, the technology quite yet. So they wanted to just kind of make sure that they had time to, to develop and, um, and sign on athletes when, when they had a product. So, um, I, I'm very grateful for, for my situation. Awesome. Well, it's been super fun getting to know you, Emily, and I really appreciate you coming on. And I know it's going to inspire and, you know, motivate some, some post-collegiate runners to, to stay in it, man. The, the theme of this show, the motto of the show is stay in the fight. So that's it. Stay in the fight, keep grinding, keep working. And, you know, eventually you're going to get to the best version of yourself. But I always ask every guest before they go, um, if they have a, a parting, parting lesson, something they've learned along the way or something they just want to share, you know, as the, as a final message to the audience to, uh, to leave behind. Uh, yeah, I guess two little things. The first is, you know, what, like going back to just believing in yourself and, and having that self-belief, um, is huge. And then another thing that, that I've learned over the past few years while training, with other athletes is, um, celebrating somebody's success isn't going to hurt yours. So that's huge. I think in our support is, is, um, you know, seeing Kira get that American record and seeing Sarah get that American record in the half. And then Emily Sisson going and getting it a few months later. And yeah, that's just like, we're so excited because we're just raising the bar for American distance running. And, um, that's just something that I think that we need to do more of is just celebrate other success. Fantastic. And the women are killing it. Face it. They're just killing it oh, right yeah. now. And yeah. uh, it ins it inspires us all. So, um, uh, you know, watching the world champs and watching the three of them just crush it in the marathon and work together. Um, that had to be exciting for you, man, because you're getting ready to, to make your debut. Man, I'm sure you, you must have been like watching that, like fired up you know, cheering with the pom-poms or feeling like it. I know I was, man. And I'm not, I'm not going to get a chance to you know, to run in the world championships one day. So uh, hopefully that got the juices flowing for you and got you excited. And uh, I love the uh, two messages to leave with the athletes. So appreciate you coming on and sharing. And we wish you all the best, man, in New York City. You know, I'll be there. So hopefully we'll get a chance. Maybe we'll set up a little, organize a little shakeout for podcast guests, some pro athletes that are going to be there. And we'll do something fun and give away some stuff and Maybe you can meet some athletes while we're there just for a little fun morning or some coffee or something. We'll see. Uh, we can put something together. Great. Yeah. Look forward to hearing you cheer too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'll be out there running. So, oh, you know. you're, you're racing it. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, heck yeah, man. I, I run New York every year. This is my uh, my 11th New York. Yeah. You see, I got all kinds of crazy medals and stuff yeah, up there yeah, behind yeah. me. No, I, I knew. I just didn't know if you were doing it this year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing Berlin and, um, then I'll get a little break and then do New York and, uh, um, Berlin, 
Berlin's next. So you did you choose Berlin over Chicago or? Yeah, just- I, I've run Chicago and Chicago's amazing. I've run all of them. I mean, you know, I yeah. just uh, been doing this for like 30 plus years. So it's, right. it's, it's just awesome. I mean, to still be doing it. And um, I was in the Boston Marathon book, the uh, race book. I was in the, tw- I was in twice in the race book. So people were putting it all up over Instagram stories and stuff today. My picture is in like two different spots in the year in the Boston race book. So, you know, it's pretty cool for a dude who's been doing this for 30 years. And, uh, you know, I ran in the 99th and the 100th Boston, which were 1995 and 1996. So a long time to still be doing it and just have as much passion as ever. And uh, so, yeah, I, I won't see you at all. You'll be on the right. bridge and you'll be we'll starting. Be and, then. Yeah, you'll sure. be, no, you'll be showered and like back in your room and, you know, you know, hanging out with your man and you guys will be going out to dinner and then I'll be, I'll be crossing the finish line. So, <laughs> but hopefully, uh, you know, we will, we'll catch you over the weekend at some point and uh, we'll get to say hi and, and you can meet some other friends from the running community and we could uh, hang out and have a good time. Super exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on. And what we say at the end of every show, we tell all the runners to keep lacing them up, to keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow. Super inspired tracking Emily Durgan's amazing progress from her collegiate years to post-collegiately taking a year after leaving UConn and work continuing to work with JJ getting involved with Mark Coogan and the New Balance Boston Pro Team, and eventually uh, signing her first pro contract with Under Armour and Adidas Running. But uh, super, super inspiring to see the incredible progress that she continues to make and how fearlessly she runs. You got to love people who take it out in road races and just mix it up and make the race. And uh, she's got that fiery, feisty spirit. And she is chasing wins um, and she is just going after it. She's not focused on times. She wants to win. And you just have to love that kind of drive and passion. And it certainly comes through in the conversation. Um, And I hope you all enjoy listening to Emily and her approach to training. And we'll give her a follow because it's super inspiring to see uh, what she's been doing to this point. And I can't wait to see uh, what she's able to put together uh, in November for New York City. And hopefully we'll do a little uh, um, run chat shakeout uh, a couple of days before if that works out. I don't know what Emily's schedule will be coming in. We did hint at that at the end of the show. So we'll see if that uh, is something we're able to pull together. Love to get her to meet some run chats uh, listeners and, you know, maybe do some giveaway, something fun. But hope you all enjoy the convo as much as we did. And if you were moved by it, um, something specifically that really strikes a chord and you can get a moment to uh, hop on Apple Podcasts and write a quick review, it really helps us get new people subscribing to the show, helps us build out our platform. And most importantly, it really helps me get great guests like Emily to come on the show. So for everyone who's taken that step, you have my deepest gratitude and uh, just so appreciative of everyone who's been willing to take that extra step for us to help us build out our platform. Um, So as we say at the end of every episode, keep lacing them up, my friends. Keep getting out the door. And always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, my friends.